It's the movie nobody asked for, but is Morbius as bad as you've heard? I'll talk about that next. Welcome back to Mike Seibert Radio. I am your host, and this time around, I'm going to talk about the latest entry in Sony's universe of Spider-Man movies that don't have Spider-Man in them, and I can't believe I'm actually saying this out loud. I'm talking about a movie about Morbius, the living vampire. Morbius, ladies and gentlemen. Um, this uh, this from uh, Sony's official press release. This is this is the official synopsis. One of the most compelling and conflicted characters in Sony Pictures' universe of Marvel characters <laughs> uh, comes to the big screen as Oscar winner Jared Leto transforms into the enigmatic anti-hero Michael Morbius, dangerously ill with a rare blood disorder and determined to save others suffering his same fate, Dr. Morbius attempts a desperate gamble. While at first it seems to be a radical success, a darkness inside him is unleashed. Will good override evil, or will Morbius succumb to his mysterious new urges? That is from the official press release from Sony. That came from the studio. I didn't write or doctor any of that. And I just love the audacity of something called, uh, let me see, make sure I got it right. The Sony Pictures Universe of Marvel Characters. First of all, that's that's a mouthful. Uh, but more than that, it's a it's just a long winded way of saying they're making movies about Spider-Man characters, the ones that they have the rights to without actually putting Spider-Man in in those movies it's it's very confusing and one of the things i'm going to try to unpack in this episode is really what is sony thinking what is sony doing because um your guess is as good as mine but you know after a number of delays due to the pandemic morbius is finally here in theaters whether we want it or not uh this is a movie that i was convinced was never actually going to come out or be released. You know, kind of similar to that New Mutants from a couple years ago. And like the New Mutants, uh, this movie has had the stink of death on it from Jump. And quite frankly, I'm still surprised Sony is actually releasing it. I, I remember uh, earlier in the week I saw projections uh, like in, in the trades saying like, oh, Morbius is projected to make $50 million at the box office. Uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, but is the movie as bad as you have heard? Yes, yes, Morbius is as bad as you think it is. It is so laughably bad that I was inspired to do this episode on it. I, I had no intention of doing an episode on Morbius. I had no intention of seeing Morbius, but yet here we are. Now, 
I'm going to do a brief spoiler-free section here at the top uh, with some of my, you know, overall general thoughts, and then I'll get deeper into my uh, deeper problems with uh, with this movie. So if you haven't seen Morbius and you don't want to have it spoiled, but you still want to hear some of my scalding hot takes, you're still safe and you're in the right place. I'm uh, so so what I'm not going to do is I'm I'm not going to necessarily bother dividing this into separate episodes, you know, for spoiler and non-spoiler, kind of like kind of like exactly what I did for Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, I, I it's just going to be a buyer beware situation, uh, but I will be sure and give you a proper spoiler warning. Um, like I said, I wasn't originally going to watch this movie. I don't really have any interest in this particular corner of the Marvel Universe. I'm not especially interested in the supernatural characters, and I'm not particularly interested in anything Sony has to do with the Spider-Man characters that aren't Spider-Man in a not Spider-Man movie, uh, or at least in live action, I, I guess I should clarify, because uh, Into the Spider-Verse is amazing, and I'm looking forward to Across the Spider-Verse. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. So Sony has demonstrated that they can do good things with Spider-Man. You know, the 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 batting average isn't super great with the overall oeuvre of uh, uh, Spider-Man, but I would say that... Um, the success of Spider-Man No Way Home has as much to do with the previous Spider-Man movies, which are all Sony movies, as it does its tether to the Marvel Universe. Really, the only MCU thing you have is, is that, uh, that, that connectivity to Doctor Strange and some of that storytelling history from those previous movies. But um, it, it may be a controversial thing to say, but that... Uh, that Spider-Man movie is about the Sony Spider-Man movies. Um, you know, I kind of get back into that in in my uh, uh, No Way Home podcast. You can go and check that out. Um, but it's a uh, it, it's interesting what Sony has been doing lately. So like I I bristled when they decided to do a Venom movie um, and a Venom movie without Spider-Man. And those characters are intrinsically linked. I mean, I think even more so than Batman and Joker. Like, this was around the same time we're doing that Joker movie that, that's not connected to a Batman movie. Venom is, is literally, um, his origins come from being a part of Spider-Man, um, or, or at least wanting to, or, or at least, I mean, I, I mean, look at him. I mean, it's, it's, the, it's the black costume come to life. So how do you do a Venom movie that doesn't, come from the black costume that doesn't come from Spider-Man. I, I had some problems with that, but I, I watched the movie and I liked Venom okay. Um, I kind of liked some of the stuff that they were doing. You know, it's kind of like a um, somewhat lighter on its feet um, anti-hero type of movie. So it's kind of like a, like a discount Deadpool type of thing where we're taking a traditionally villainous character, softening him up, making him an anti-hero and giving Tom Hardy, uh, the, the putters and mutters, uh, award. I, I still don't understand what, what, um, what kind of voice he's doing there. But so I, I've, I've been very suspect of the, uh, Sony corner of the universe that they've been looking to expand where basically they have all these Spider-Man characters, but they don't really quite know what to do with them because, you know, because of uh, Spider-Man being tied up with the Marvel stuff. But I 
I don't know. I, I just, I don't understand and I don't have any interest in a Spider-Man universe that doesn't have Spider-Man in it. It's like I, I'm still I'm still baffled by that and I I, I feel like I'm dwelling on it too much but it really is a, a sticking point for me. I didn't even bother to watch Venom 2 um, you know with the with the let there be carnage uh, I, I hear it's uh, a blissful 90 minutes but you know I mean maybe I'll watch it at some point like I ended up watching Venom like on TV just like on FX or something like that I, I, I don't own it I didn't buy it I didn't go to see it I just watched it on TV maybe I'll do the same thing here and so but I, I guess trying to get myself back on course and talking about Morbius I, I do understand that every character is somebody's favorite character but the idea of making a movie about Morbius, the living vampire, uh, that was always a head scratcher for me because it, it always felt like that was scraping the bottom of the barrel. And I feel like that's kind of where we're at at this moment in time in this comic book movie space at a time where we're getting stuff like Shang-Chi and the Eternals and uh, Moon Knight and, you know, basically like we've already done the top tier characters. We've already done the mid tier characters. Now it's a whole lot of who have we got left. Now that's not necessarily meant to disparage things like Moon Knight. I haven't watched it yet, but it looks really cool. I I'm excited to watch that. You know, you can do interesting things with characters. Like you you take something like Guardians of the Galaxy, which is not uh you know a, a particularly popular comic book uh characters or concepts before that movie. And then do something different with it and and turn it on its head and have a lot of fun with it and kind of make those characters kind of iconic in their their own kind of way. I, I don't know. This feels to me like somebody at Sony is going through like a binder of uh, Spider-Man characters that they have available to them. Like, oh, well, you know, we, we got who do we got? We got Black Cat. Maybe we're going to do something with that later. Oh, Silver Sable. Maybe we're going to do something with that later. Ooh, Morbius the Living Vampire. I, I guess that's something. Um, but it, it just it feels like it was plucked at random. And I don't know if I particularly mind Morbius as a character uh, the concept is actually kind of kind of cool and kind of okay you know it's like he he's a vampire but like not the supernatural kind it's kind of like like a a science-based vampire and I think that's kind of a cool twist on the vampire myth um you know where where you don't have the classic uh, Dracula tropes and things like that, but you can still kind of tell vampire stories, that kind of thing. And and I think I think that's a cool gimmick for a '70s Spider-Man villain. Uh, but I don't think anything in there translates to being the lead of a major motion picture starring Jared Leto, um, especially one where we're trying to establish this character as an anti-hero of sorts. Uh, very similar to Venom. So, like with New Mutants, I, um, I'll admit, I laughed every time there was a date shift or a delay or like how they kept cranking out new trailers. It seemed like they put, every time they changed the date, they put out like a new trailer with like some new footage in it. And uh, I just, um, I, I don't know, the, the snot in me just likes making fun of this sad movie that nobody asked for. Um, it's just like, oh, th that movie's going to come out. No, it's not. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, I had to do a little bit of research on this, but Morbius was originally supposed to come out on July 10th of 2020, so almost two years ago. Um, But it got pulled, obviously, when uh, theaters were closed due to COVID. And as the pandemic kind of raged on, Morbius cycled through a handful of different release dates. Um, I I think there were seven different dates all told. Um, At various points, it had been scheduled to open up on July 31st, 2020. Then um, it got kicked a year, March 19th of 2021. And then October 8th of 2021, um, uh, before finally kind of settling on January 21st, 2022 after the release of of spider-man no way home and then they shifted it back to like january 28th and then somewhere along the way i i remember being very confused about this around the time spider-man came out it uh it being moved to april 1st and i don't remember when that happened because i remember watching spider-man and they ran a trailer for morbius and i'm like that movie's never coming out what are you talking about and i think at that point it may have had like the january 21st date and um then january 21st kind of came and went and i remember Oh, that's what it was, because I remember being in the press screening for Spider-Man, and I saw a poster for Morbius that said April 1st, but we had watched a trailer that said January 21st, so I actually asked the rep, um, I was like, hey man, when is this Morbius movie coming out? And they were like, I don't know. Um, But speaking of, I I received an email uh, last week inviting me to the press screening here in Seattle uh, to go see Morbius. It was a press screening and my interest, uh, my interest plummeted when I saw that the screening would be at 10 o'clock in the morning, 10 AM. Um, now that's not specifically unusual for big blockbuster movies like, uh, like the James Bond movie, their, their press screening was at, you know, 10, 11 o'clock in the morning. Actually, no, I'm sorry. It was at noon. Um, so yeah, but like early morning, uh, press screenings aren't, always um a a bad thing or unusual but in this case between the late notice uh because i i got the email less than a week before the press screening usually those are like two to three weeks out uh but between the late notice and the screen happening the day before the release date uh well that told me everything i needed to know about the studio's faith in this movie and it was also especially telling that the review embargo uh, for the press was Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific time, less than 24 hours before early Thursday screenings were going to start unspooling. And I, I know sometimes I throw um, in insider lingo and vocabulary out there a when press gets access to go see an early screening of the movie, there's uh, generally something called a review embargo. And what the embargo means is that you can't talk about seeing the movie before that designated time. Um, I don't know the science of embargoes because they're they're very different and uh, I, I would almost have to go back through some of the movies I've seen and kind of like see if I can see some patterns. But generally, it's like if you see a movie too far ahead, the studio doesn't necessarily want you talking about it on Twitter um, or on social media or, or in formal reviews 
um, before, uh, you know, before a date of their choosing. How they come up with that date, I don't know. But in this case, the embargo was like, again, 5 p.m. Pacific specifically, um, which is like 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern. This uh, Another thing about the screening is that it was uh, specifically timed to coincide with press screenings in uh, Los Angeles and New York at the same time. So I don't know exactly what their strategy was there, but I think... I I don't know. I I guess in a sense, knowing that this movie has the stink of death on it, knowing they have a turd on their hands, why did it? Why did they even make it available for the press? Um, I, I I don't know the ins and outs and mechanics of why that even has to be. Um, because they could have just simply not offered it. Because you know, again, I'd have to kind of go back through my memory, but I think there's just as many movies that they don't offer screenings for. Because obviously, I don't, I don't go out and see every movie. Um, point being is like with with the very short embargo, I think Sony wanted to minimize the uh poor word of mouth and um. And, you know, when I get to the end of the episode, I'll, I'll talk more about my experience uh, with uh, with that press screening and my interactions with the rep. I think I'm starting to uh, push my luck in terms of like how honest I should be with regards to a movie I don't like that I've been invited to go watch as, as part of the press. But um, anyway, all, all of that is is a very long way to say is, uh, you know, it, it really wasn't until the early reviews from overseas started to come out. Uh, those popped a few days ago, um, and it was really seeing some of those that I decided I actually wanted to check out this movie for myself. I, w- I was just going to pass on that press screening and just be like, eh, I don't want to deal with it. Uh, but there, there was one tweet in particular that caught my eye that I'm going to read for you. This is from Sab Astley, uh, who is an entertainment journalist out of London. Quote, Well, Morbius is as bad as you were expecting. A 2005 plot collides with visually confusing CGI to create a bit of a snooze fest. But don't worry, they've saved the worst for last, featuring some of the worst post-credit scenes you've ever seen all caps uh sony are off their rocker and i saw several other folks too uh making comments about the the post-credit scenes on twitter um all saying variations of the same thing um that that this was a new high bar for ambitious insanity and that there was enough to intrigue me and to get me up early in the morning to watch this awful comic book vampire movie i knew it was going to be bad but I still wanted to, I don't know, allow myself to be open-minded enough uh, to potentially change my mind. Like, um, no movie sets out to be bad. The folks that make movies don't set out to uh, wringing their hands, twirling mustaches, and saying, well, let's set out to make a bad movie. I don't think that's how it works. But I think, like, um, maybe through several misjudgments miscalculations missteps uh mistakes um you know uh best of intentions go bad and you end up with a stinker like morbius um so i mean that being said i was just you know i was open to allow myself to let the movie change my mind it did not uh but aside from the unchecked zaniness of those post-credit scenes 
with Morbius, there just isn't anything here. It's flat and it's boring. It doesn't add anything new to the comic book superhero movie genre. It um it really doesn't have anything to say. Uh, it, it's the same movie you've seen a dozen times already. It feels like there's literally a template at this point, like Mad Libs, that you just kind of fill in the blanks with with heroes and villains, character names, uh, various superpowers, origin stuff, and just hit print. Um, th- this is very much by the numbers. It's it's the same plot we've we've seen a million times and i think we're getting kind of tired of it but um in addition to that the 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 pacing is weird and it's just jointed and tough to follow at times like there there's plot lines that get introduced and then immediately drop uh there there are a few things that just kind of go nowhere and come to nothing um and and a lot of it just plain doesn't make sense um, there's also kind of a weird, oh, I don't know, kind of a weird video game aesthetic going on, uh, that's not great either. I had to remind myself that this is indeed a Sony movie, uh, not all that dissimilar to Uncharted. Uh, so, uh, I, I guess it's, it's of a kind, but it, it is very video gamey. Um, Jared Leto isn't specifically bad here. Uh, I, I saw a meme going around where it's Marvel fans and DC fans uniting over Jared Leto being in their worst movies. But no, he's um he's not specifically the problem here. I'm not a huge fan of Jared Leto. I don't generally like what he uh, um, uh, what he brings, um, but he plays this role of Morbius pretty straightforward. Uh, almost to the movie's detriment. Like there's um there there's not a trace of any of his over the top flamboyance as Joker. Um or he's not doing like a dumb voice or you know, like I, I'm trying to think of like, you know, the stuff that he's doing in the in that Gucci movie, you know, where basically he's Super Mario Ah, bippity boppity, it's a me, Jared Leto, ooh <laughs> It's a... Uh, it's a uh, but but here in Morbius it's a strange choice cuz like you bring in somebody that that that's kind of a weirdo and does weirdo performances um he's just kind of weirdly normal for lack of a better term it's like he's kind of the 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 straight man and it's it's very odd and and very uh uh baffling um i'll I'll talk about the supporting cast a little more uh when i get on the other side of spoilers uh but here um i'll I'll say that uh, uh tyrese is in this movie tyrese gibson and he is um completely miscast as this fbi agent who is cold on the trail of morbius i actually like tyrese just fine um i like what he brings to those fast and furious movies i liked him in those transformers movies and in both of those roles you know uh, uh, as roman and epps uh, respectively they have a certain energy to him uh tyrese is a big loud guy when you need uh either comic relief or need to uh, uh relieve some dramatic tension and and he's got like a little bit of manic energy going on uh but he's also a guy that you can take seriously and comes across as genuinely badass when he drops lines like bring the rain and and uh you know some of his other lines um in transformers but like jared leto he's 
he's not doing anything here. He he's just a guy. Um, and that performance is just flat and lifeless. And he just doesn't have anything to do. And I don't know. I just think it's a real waste and uh, and a thankless role. Um, the special effects aren't necessarily bad, but everything about this movie feels dated, like it's of a different time. I, I've talked a lot recently about uh, New York Ninja, um, that uh, that that found movie from 1984 that Vinegar Syndrome um, restored, and I'm I'm going to talk about that um, in in, uh, in a couple few weeks. But Morbius kind of feels the same way, like it's an artifact from a different time, as if this movie was made in 2005 and then got abandoned lost for 15 years and then was like discovered during the pandemic or something like somebody found like this this unfinished morbius movie um and then decided to um slap it together and roll it out in theaters in in 2022 but Everything about Morbius feels like it's from the era of Marvel movies before the MCU, before the Marvel Cinematic Universe, before 2008 when Iron Man the first comes out. So, like, check this out. So, between 2003, so this is after Blade, after X-Men, after Spider-Man, um, kind of kind of got the ball rolling on kind of the the um, first modern era of comic book superhero movies. Um, so between 2003 and then before 2008 when Iron Man comes out, here are some of the Marvel movies that came out during that five-year span. You got yourself a Daredevil, the, the Ben Affleck one. You got yourself a Hulk. You know, the, the Ang Lee-directed uh, Eric Bana starring one. No, not the good one. Wait a sec, that's a joke. There isn't a good one. Hey, yo. Uh, but you got, like, The Punisher, you know, with uh, uh, Thomas Jane and, and uh, John Travolta. Um, Fantastic Four, uh, Ghost Rider. Now, again, I've, I've kind of warmed up to Ghost Rider in recent years. I I, I don't think I appreciated the the uh, unchecked Nicolas Cage of it all. Um but like I said, I've kind of warmed to it. And and obviously you also get gems uh, like X-Men 2 and Spider-Man 2. But it's it's a good reminder that Marvel movies were mostly not great during this era. And this is kind of the era that Morbius belongs in. Now, I wouldn't say that Morbius is any worse than the worst of those. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's specifically worse than Hulk or or Daredevil or Punisher or Fantastic Four, uh, but it is just as bad. Um, and and I think we forget, and I and I think we take for granted that good comic book movies are kind of the standard now, and that there are a good lot of these movies that are just not great. Um, but I want to get back to the the special effects and the makeup uh, for Morbius. Um, they're, they're not specifically bad, but in that same thing I was just saying, it, it, it's corny and it's dated. And like, for example, like when, when uh, Morbius goes full vampire and he's like, rah, fangs, um, he looks pretty much like he does in the comics. He looks like the character model from the comic books. Uh, but I don't know, man. Again, you know, every character is somebody's favorite character, but I think it's kind of a goofy look to begin with, with like the, you know, whatever's going on with his upturned nose and, and the hair and the, um, again, he's 
a goofy vampire from the 1970s Spider-Man comics. It's like I I don't want I don't want to necessarily disparage or or piss off any any uh, fans of that corner of the Marvel universe, but it's like I've just never been into it, and I always thought he was kind of goofy. And I would imagine that fans of that character would kind of say that that's kind of part of it like kind of like the 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 Gil Kane of it with you know the 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 scalloped uh bat cape and things like that I I think that's kind of part of it but um talking more about the 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 special effects the the CGI in the action scenes really isn't great um and I I think in their effort to do something visually interesting the fights just kind of come across as confusing and occasionally incomprehensible. Uh, like I said earlier, it feels a lot like a video game, or at least a, a movie based on a video game that's based on a movie, um, and not in a good way. Uh, and the score is pretty pretty uninspired also. Uh, but so far, there isn't anything that I've said that that really kind of lets on why this movie is capital letters that bad, right? And and I think honestly to get deeper into that, I um I think I need to get into spoilers and, you know, kind of d- dig deeper into the plot and kind of talk about some specific stuff. But to put um I I guess to put a button on my non-spoiler review here, yes, Morbius is as bad as you've heard, but it's also not so bad it's good. It's not fun. It's not funny. It's not exciting. There's nothing new here you haven't seen before. It's literally more of the same. So, I don't know. If you've already got superhero movie fatigue, this is definitely not the movie for you. Because it's if you don't like superhero movies, this has everything that you hate about those movies. Um, but if uh, if you got some of that same morbid curiosity about this movie like I did... Well, I mean, there there really isn't much I can say to talk you out of it. You've probably already decided whether you're going to go or not. Um, the only draw here, I think, is the sheer audacity of those post credit scenes, which, again, you you truly have to see to believe. I'm going to tell you about it in uh, in spoilers coming up, but even after I tell you, you will not believe me. I, you know... Yeah, I'm a couple days removed from that screening, and I still can't believe what I saw. But that is what I was going there for. And if you are going to a movie based on the post-credit scene, that's a real problem with the movie. But yeah, there's there's just there's just nothing here. And how ironic is it then that that a movie about a living vampire is completely lifeless? So with that, if uh, if you don't want to have Morbius spoiled for you, here is your stop. This is where you can get off at. Hopefully you come back and finish this episode after you've seen the movie. But um, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to roll the trailer for you. It's actually the the first trailer for Morbius that was released back in um, January of 2020. And on the other side, we'll get into our full spoiler discussion. You're listening to Mike Seibert Radio. Michael, I've known you since you were a child. You have a gift. You always have. If there's an answer to your disease, you'll find it. 
I should have died years ago. No. Why am I still here if not to fix this? I have a rare blood disease, and I'm running out of time. This could be my last chance. You're up to something. What is it? That's not exactly legal. I want to see you get hurt more than you already have. This would be a cure. Michael. What's happening? I went from dying. I feel like more alive than ever. Increased strength and speed. The ability to use echolocation. Powering urge to consume blood. How far are we allowed to go? To fix something that's broken. Until the remedy. is worse than the disease. Michael Morbius. Got tired of doing the whole good guy thing, huh? What's up, Doc? Hey, welcome back. And as a reminder, I just want to let you know from this point forward, it is full spoilers for the Morbius. And I actually wanted to start with the trailer. Uh, There's a reason why I wanted to play that for you, because there are several things from that trailer that are not actually in the movie. Granted, it's not particularly uncommon for movie trailers to include stuff that doesn't make it into the final movie. But I think in this case, these exclusions are, um, how shall we say, especially egregious uh, because they were shots and scenes that fueled some of the speculation and discourse leading up to the release of the movie. Uh, Starting with Which universe does this movie take place in? Is it the uh, MCU? Is it the the Marvel Universe? Is it Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man Universe? Is it Andrew Garfield's? Is this a universe where Spider-Man even exists? Is it somehow tied to Venom? Uh, All of those are valid questions after this trailer dropped. Uh, Two things in particular to note. First of all, there's a shot where Morbius is walking past a wall plastered with posters. And one of them is a poster of Spider-Man and has graffiti scrawled across it that says, Murderer. Does this take place after the fallout of Spider-Man Far From Home and the the events of those movies where it seems that Spider-Man has been framed for the death of Mysterio? Who could know? Because that shot is not in the movie. Um, Also of note, that Spider-Man, that particular version of Spider-Man depicted in that poster is totally the Tobey Maguire suit. You could tell by like the the more triangular eyes as opposed to the more rounded uh, lenses of the Andrew Garfield and even the uh, Tom Holland suit. Uh, but the the other thing, and actually this is this is even more uh, telling, 
It's uh, it's the end of the trailer, and I love that in movie trailers now, regardless of genre, you have like an almost like a post credit scene, like during a trailer. It's so weird how we've been conditioned as as an audience. But Michael Keaton shows up, surprise, uh, presumably uh, reprising his role as the Vulture, as Adrian Toomes uh, from uh, Spider Man Homecoming. Um, there, there's a, a little bit of dialogue that you just heard that he has with Morbius. He seems to know who he is. And that seems like that could be something that's going to be something, right? Well, except that that scene is also not in the movie. Michael Keaton is not in this movie. But wait, that's not entirely true and I think with that it's time to talk about those post credit scenes uh, sure I'm going to go back around and go through the plot and I'll have some other stuff to say um, about Morbius but I don't want to make you wait any longer because again that's the only reason for someone to want to watch the movie and it's these uh, post credit scenes so the movie ends and it's uh you know morbius flies away to be the the uh i don't know the the living vampire hero of the city or something it's very ill defined i'll come back to it but it has a it has a uh, uh closes on a shot that's really not all that dissimilar from like the matrix the first one where where keanu uh, uh flies up into the sky and and it's a smash cut to black and you cue the rage of the machine this kind of does the same thing um, hard cut to black, and since it's a a Marvel Marvel adjacent movie, it goes into this overly long title sequence, which is very synthwave. Like there's a there's a lot of uh, um, uh, actually kind of really kind of retro cool uh, colors and designs. It's all like you know spirographs and a lot of geometrical shapes and things like that. But it's it's shades of uh, uh, purple and lavender and teal. It's very 80s. The The colors are very 80s and I don't really know or understand what they were kind of going for uh, design or aesthetic wise. And like I mentioned earlier, the music is aggressively unremarkable and it's it's just kind of there i mean it's it's kind of like D- discount danny elfman uh but but there really isn't a melody uh for you to to hum or to learn or to understand but anyway it brings up the the uh you know it goes through the uh cast and it uh it it ends on the M of Morbius. And I had forgotten until I, I had gone back and uh, did some Google searching that the font or or at least the the style of lettering that they use for this movie uh, with the title of Morbius does match the um, the masthead of the Morbius comic books from the 90s. So I thought that was a cool touch that I kind of forgot about. I mean, you know, with a, with an M that kind of formed fangs, it's, you know, I don't have anything particularly bad to say about it, except that, um, I, I don't know, it, it's it, the, the way this title sequence presents it, it it's like it's um i don't know they, they treat the m with almost as much reverence as say like uh the titular x in x-men that that kind of thing which is kind of weirdly off-putting but then it abruptly smash cuts to black 
I'm going to set the scene for you here. So it's uh, the, the skyline. It's the New York skyline. We're in New York. And across the sky, there's crackling purple energy. We are in the world of the climax of Spider-Man No Way Home. Except I would note that this is not a shot from the film. It's some kind of lame recreation. It looks like garbage, uh, but there there's enough uh, uh, shorthand to where you kind of know what it is because you've presumably seen that Spider-Man movie already. So the scene is set. We cut to an empty jail cell, and I uh, I, I almost can't say this with, with a straight face. In a special effect that I can only describe as the transporter effect from Star Trek... Michael Keaton appears in this empty jail cell like he's been beamed in. He's been transported in and he looks disorientated. Now he's wearing prison clothes, but he's he's uh, so he's wearing prison clothes. He shows up in this empty prison cell and he's disorientated and he's doing he's doing his Michael Keaton, a sleepy Michael Keaton where he's like, oh, what's going on? Where am I? What's happening? I'm not Batman. And he uh, uh, apparently uh, gets enough wherewithal to uh, intuit somehow that he is now in a different universe and makes some kind of uh, comment about the food being better. Like, you know, maybe the food is better here or something like that. It cuts then to television report where we're on tv and it's this reporter saying like adrian tombs is a is a uh, uh wrongfully imprisoned uh person or something like that and could be released any day from jail cut to black more credits and i think we're doing more synthwave i i um i don't remember i can't block that part out because i in this audience of stone-faced critics, you can hear snickers and laughter. Me, personally, I was uh, laughing like Robert De Niro in Cape Fear. Um, I, I found that very entertaining, but I also thought that that was the end of it. You know, it's like, okay, cool, well, Michael Keaton is here, um, and, and that's the button we're going to leave it on. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, so after um, more synth-wavy titles, a little bit of credits, it smash cuts to black again. The scene opens up, and I would say maybe like 90 seconds has passed. Not much time is all uh, in terms of uh, credits. And we cut to Dr. Michael Morbius driving in a fast car uh, despite having the ability to fly. He's driving. He's driving somewhere in the middle of the night. He's playing loud music. He's looking at a GPS. He seems very determined. Um, and and his uh, GPS signal takes him off the road. He drives um, onto some kind of beach or desert or some kind of other wasteland type of landscape. It's at night, so it doesn't really matter what it is. He gets out of the car and he looks around very suspiciously. And then suddenly, from out of nowhere, with the full plumage and everything, the, the wings, everything, in comes the vulture. 
and he looks almost exactly like he did in Spider-Man Homecoming with like the jacket with like the fur around the collar and again like the wings and the thrusters and the helmet and all that. He swoops in in front of Morbius and red flag number one. He's wearing the full helmet. So uh, if you remember the helmet from uh, the Vulture helmet from uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, you know, it's like a full face mask and he's got like these uh, night vision goggles that kind of emulate the the, uh, um, you know, vulture eyes. It's a really cool costume design and very, uh, very MCU. It's like it's a way to where you make the vulture actually make sense. I got no problem with it. So. Um, I, I've sent seen some pictures online where like the helmet has a little more of a pronounced uh, beak, I guess. So there's like a little more of a, a face mask uh, to it, uh, which does not look good. It looks like it's rendered in CGI. Um, it's very obviously not Michael Keaton. It is a stunt person at best. And a computer-generated abomination at worst. I could not get a good read on whether this was actual an actual real person or not. But that head is certainly computer-generated because uh, it just it, it just looks awful. Anyway, this uh, this figure speaks to Morbius, and he's like, "Oh, hey, I've you know I've heard about you, and I don't I I'm." I'm still learning about this place. Um, I don't know how I got here, but I know it has something to do with Spider-Man. I think we should team up. And Morbius says, yeah, I think that's a great idea. Cut to black. And, and I just like untethered from reality at that point. Like that, that just like broke my sanity and and again i just started laughing at it and all that and then it and then the the credits continue now the voice i suppose it could be michael keaton but i am pretty sure it's not if it if it uh for my ear it sounds like it's somebody doing a bad michael keaton impression and um that's a it's I don't know it, it's just very silly and um just insane so at this point I'm sitting through the credits and I was like okay cool so at this point an entire movie an entire other movie has happened within two minutes of Morbius ending so it's like you know um the vulture shows up gets released from jail, finds all of his gear. Where does he get all of his gear? And then uh, meets up with Morbius, and um, and I, I'm assuming they're going to go find Venom or something like that and make some kind of half of a Sinister Six. I don't know where, when or where they're going to uh, introduce the other characters. I, I guess they're making a Craven the Hunter movie, barf. Um but still, like, you know, you still need a couple more members to make a Sinister Six. And also, who cares? Like, did we not learn that lesson from the failed Andrew Garfield uh, duology of movies? Because remember, Amazing Spider-Man 2 hints very hard at, uh, at the Sinister Six. So I think Avi Arad and the folks at Sony are very thirsty uh, to make a villain team-up movie happen. So, um, 
I, I go through I go through the credits and spoilers, there is nothing at the end of the end of the credits. And I would say that I'm mildly disappointed in that, but I did kind of get everything I was looking for in those two uh, mid-credit scenes, or I guess you could call them post-credit scenes. So there's a lot to unpack there, and there's there's a few things to talk about. First of all, these scenes completely break whatever cohesive universe these movies thought that they were having. So it's I would imagine it would be assumed that we're not in the MCU. Uh, it, it's I guess it would be presumed that that Michael Keaton is dragged from the MCU into this uh, the this Sony universe. But there's there's more than a couple problems here too because like whose Spider-Man universe is this at a, at a post Spider-Man No Way Home thing. Each Spider-Man comes from a different universe. So Tobey Maguire's universe is different from Andrew Garfield's, is different from Tom Holland's. Um, so that, that that just raises all kinds of questions and problems. Now, since I'm going out of order, I, I kind of have to litigate this now instead of uh, later. But we also know, because of a line that Tyrese says... Uh, that this that that Morbius takes place in the same universe as Venom. So at the very least, Morbi- Morbius and Venom are from the same place, but they are from a place where Spider-Man does not exist. So how is it that Michael Keaton comes from the Marvel universe? And finds his gear, does that mean that there's another Adrian Toomes that's also the Vulture in this universe? Because in the Sony universe, the Avengers don't exist, so that means there was never an evasion from the Chitari, and there was never any alien tech for tombs to take and retrofit his, uh, his weapons and wings and armor with. So... It just it raises more logic questions that I don't even know how to start to tackle. I am just I am baffled and confused, but I appreciate in in my own twisted kind of way the sheer audacity of Sony to try to glue these things together. Um, this is very obviously attacked on scene. What I don't know is at what point it was tacked on. Because one of the things that I was very uh, uh, confused about is why Morbius moved from that January 2022 release date. Because it seems to me, if you are seeing the writing on the wall and seeing how successful Spider-Man No Way Home is, you know, it, it, it's the uh, most successful movie of the post-pandemic. Um, not only that, it's also one of the most successful movies, period. I think it's pretty safe to say that Spider-Man No Way Home, quote-unquote, saved the movies in the way that, like, Tenant wanted to but didn't. Um, so if I am Sony... 
And I have this dumb vampire movie that is tangentially connected to these Spider-Man movies. And it's been sitting in my back pocket and it's been sitting on the shelf for two years. I guess you have two different options at that point. One, you just put the movie out and you try to catch that wave, which I would think that that would have been the most prudent move. Get it out, get it, get it out as fast and it, and expediently as possible and you try to catch that same audience that was there for venom and you try to catch the spider-man fans by putting on your your posters and whatever uh from the studio that brought you spider-man no way home makes sense to me instead what i think they did is the delay from january to april i think they pulled it off the shelf and they made these ham-fisted last-minute post-credit scenes to try to get it to connect to something. But the problem is, is that it doesn't connect to anything. And then it makes it even more confusing because let's think back to uh, Spider-Man No Way Home in that we know from that movie's post-credit scene that Venom gets sucked from that Marvel universe or, or I'm sorry, the, the Sony universe of Marvel characters or, or whatever the hell they're calling it. And the post credit scene is that he ends up going back to uh, his home universe and where he belongs, but he leaves a little bit of venom goop behind. So theoretically, possibly that's how we get um, venom in the MCU um, or something. I also want to take a sec and talk about kind of where Sony might be going with Spider-Man himself, because we know that Tom Holland has signed up for three more movies. But one of the things that that Spider-Man No Way Home did is that it really kind of tied off Tom Holland from the MCU. You know, he no longer has the the Stark Tech armor. He's back to making his own clothes and his own suit. And nobody knows who he is. Nobody knows that he's Peter Parker. So he's just free to operate as Spider-Man. And the way that I read the end of Spider-Man No Way Home, and I I don't remember if I mentioned this in in my episode or not, but now it feels like Spider-Man is essentially removed from the Marvel Universe. Like, who knows what the MCU is going to do going forward in terms of like big team up movies, but it seems like post Endgame, there there really isn't a place or a need for Spider Man in their stories, which is fine. Let Spider Man kind of go back to being on his own and its own thing, but that means that also it's kind of back in Sony's hands, which at a time where we're doing two Venom movies with diminishing returns and this Morbius nonsense, and we're uh, apparently doing a Craven the Hunter movie, uh, and we're building towards a Sinister Six. Um, I just, I don't know what nightmare uh, they they are setting up for, uh, for the Spider-Man corner of the universe, but... I, I I had to get that off my chest right away to just talk about the absurdity, the audacity, uh, the the confusion uh, surrounding those post credit scenes because that's um, I mean again in that tweet I I read you earlier in the show, Sony are off their rocker 
um, just just blowing up their own universe. Because, I mean, again, it's incomprehensible. It makes no sense. Um, so, I mean, if somebody has like a, a theory they want to throw at me or I'm sure by now some YouTuber has untangled it. But like I found myself very confused and just, um, yeah, just I, I just I not only was I confused, but I was just um, I, I wasn't I wasn't mad. I wasn't offended, but I just I I don't know. I, I, I just literally couldn't believe it so that's the thing i've been saying on twitter it's like morbius is seeing is believing you don't need to see the movie at all there's nothing there for you but the um the post-credit scene has to be seen to be believed if i told you you wouldn't believe me and i think now that i've told you i don't know if you'll believe me uh until you see it uh for yourself but yeah just uh just bonkers insanity. Um, so I thought then real quickly, like I'll, I, I am going to go through the plot and I found um, this. This is going to be kind of an interesting exercise because like, I found a, a wordy, wordy uh, uh, description of the plot on Wikipedia. And this happens sometimes like when a movie first comes out where like um, somebody will write up a summary and they'll publish it on Wikipedia, and then eventually, as time goes, um, the uh, uh, it, it'll get trimmed or edited or you know be made more concise. In fact, when I went to it today, uh, I, I love how it has this little attribution. This article's plot summary may be too long or excessively detailed. Please help improve it by removing unnecessary details and making it more concise. So um, I, I wanted to grab this while it was still up in its in its a, a in its uncondensed form, and I'm going to read through it. And even just glancing at it right now, there are um, significant things that I quite frankly did not understand um about the movie because the things i'm reading here uh don't line up with what i saw on screen so um yeah we'll see how this goes um so so the movie opens up and it it, it says something like you know 22 years ago and it's this uh hospital and there's uh there's um uh, literally a a character from a dickensian 18th century novel with with a, like uh you know he's got like wooden crutches and and a uh tiny tim english i please sir, can i have some more i and uh he uh so he um uh is is infirm somehow has a um has some kind of limp and he uh, is welcomed by this uh by this dude who takes him to a hospital room where there's another boy already there hooked up to some kind of uh blood pump machine. We learn that this um this uh this uh boy that's already there is named Michael, and then the dude that brings in the newcomer uh introduces. Uh, this this uh this newcomer as Lucian. He says, "Okay, Michael, this is Lucian," and um this uh this this uh um this little turd boy Michael um 
turns to this Lucian guy and says, yeah, no, your your name is Milo. I'm going to call you Milo. Well, but my name is Lucian. Well, you know, the person before you was named Milo and the person that was there uh, before them was named Milo. And I've, I've lost track of how many Milos there, there have been, which tells me that... Um, that this Michael kid has been in this hospital for quite some time and that there's been um, a, a rotation of sorts and like probably like the first person that was there was Milo and he must have had some kind of bond with this kid and he, uh, um, you know, presumably like passed away or, you know, died or something. Um, and then there were new kids that 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 came in. Um, but apparently none of that is the case because now I'm going to start reading from the plot summary. It says at a private hospital in Greece, a 10 year old Michael Morbius welcomes the arrival of his surrogate brother, Lucian, who he decides to name Milo instead. Both are suffering from a rare blood disease, preventing their bodies from creating blood. Michael manages to save Milo's life by fixing his broken blood pump. Now there, there is a scene where they're talking. So like they're the, the relationship is really frosty at first, but they, they eventually become uh, fast friends bonding over their, um, their, their, their shared disease, their blood disease that, that makes them need crutches for some reason. But one, one day when they're, uh, hanging out, um, uh, Lucian's blood pump stops working and kid keels over. Uh, Michael like desperately calls for, for a nurse, but realizes that help won't come quick enough. So he springs into action and basically MacGyver's this, um, uh, this blood pump machine engineers, a like, uh, pries the back of it off and essentially like replaces a spring and gets the the blood pump machine working which tells me that that this guy would be more suited for making perhaps like an iron man suit than making himself into a living vampire but whatever um the uh the the guy uh the doctor fellow the ward of this uh of this hospital um, basically tells Michael he has a gift and he, um, and he tells them, oh, I forgot about this too. So he's, he's, uh, uh, looking at the spring that, that Michael used to, uh, fix the pump. And he's like, well, you know, there's a special school for gifted children. And I just like, I felt like uh, like somebody was walking over my grave. I'm like, we are not, we are not talking about X Men in this in this Morbius movie. But then I guess I realize that it's possible for um, a, a a special school for gifted youngsters could be something that isn't X Men. But I thought the phrasing was uh, especially interesting. But breaking news that I I am learning. Uh, from this plot summary, apparently this guy who is played by uh, Jared Harris, uh, this uh, the uh, Jared Harris plays uh, Dr. Emil Nicholas, a mentor and father figure for Milo 
and Morbius, who runs a facility that looks after people with incurable diseases. Well, now I'm even more confused because here uh, in this plot summary, it says their father, comma, Nicholas, arranges for Michael to study at a special school for geniuses in America while continuing to care for Milo himself. And so... I I don't understand. Are are these characters related? Are they not related? Um but I'm bog I, I'm bogged down on this too much because like in, in this opening scene where where we see uh young Milo who is again very infirm and very fragile and, and very English, uh very please uh want some more. Um he gets uh bullied by uh some uh, other school kids. Apparently, this hospital is across the street from some kind of private school. And um, Milo says something about uh, comparing him and Morbius, Michael, to uh, to the the three hundred Spartans. Like you know, they're they're like few against many. That um, uh, that ends up coming back around. But yeah, it's like he says, "Oh, we're we are few against many." Anyway, one day, um, this uh, uh, Milo runs afoul of the schoolyard bullies, and um, because apparently it was the '80s or '90s or whatever, these uh, these not know school kids just beat the snuffing out of this kid. Um, I don't know what kind of bullies actually like literally beat up handicapped children, but whatever. Um, so Jared Harris comes to rescue him, but in uh, doing so, um, uh, Milo shows that he has a, um, a an angry streak. He uh, clobbers one of the, the kids with a crutch, and the sound editing makes it sound like he's really hurt this kid very badly. Uh, turns out he hasn't because uh, the kid immediately gets, uh, gets up, but... Um, and that's kind of the end of the scene. It just kind of uh, smash cuts to to twenty something years later, and we see uh, Jared Leto about to uh, receive an award for um, basically he's he as now now he's Doctor Michael Morbius, and he's going to receive some kind of award from uh, some kind of king. Uh, for his development of basically like a uh, synthetic blood and that ends up coming into play also but it's uh it's odd because he ends up refusing the award and then it then it just kind of smash cuts again uh to when we get introduced to the the female lead of the movie a uh, character named uh Martine Bancroft who is played by um somebody also I don't know uh Adria Arjona I don't know who that is um okay well, I'm just going to click on her uh oh my god there's there's no uh there, there's uh, there's no picture in the IMDb or the Wikipedia. Uh, she played the the role of Dorothy in the Oz book adaptation Emerald City from 2017. She also played a, a supporting roles in Pacific Rim, 
Uprising, oh God, uh, Life of the Party and Triple Frontier, and a starring role in Six Underground. Oh, that's where I know her from. Okay, so I had a, uh, you know, it's like I, I kind of recognized her face, but I couldn't place it. Yeah, no, she's in that, she's in that Sick Underground. Yikes. The movie actually opens in like the Amazon rainforest with a helicopter. Whoop, 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 whoop. And uh, um, it's in the trailer. Basically, uh, Morbius has um, hired this group of mercenaries to take him to some kind of mountain where basically he's going to harvest, uh, kidnap, steal, whatever, um, uh, that that he's uh, um, stolen these these vampire bats, and it's a really dumb sequence because one, one of the things that really bothers me about uh, I don't know if it's Jared Leto's performance or um, poor writing or whatever it is, but if Morbius has a blood disease that makes it where his body can't produce new blood i get that that that's you know but that doesn't make like his legs crooked that doesn't make his like arm crooked or like his spine curved or whatever so he has like these canes and he's like shambling around eh, eh, I, I'm, I'm morbius i can't walk straight and it's just it, it's just i don't i don't understand the connection between his blood disease and and physical deformity it, it's not explained it comes to nothing and it's and it's a uh, kind of frustrating and and kind of offensive like i i don't i i don't know um is it is it ableist i don't know but it just it just seems like adding an extra bit of handicap for the sake of a performance is very silly but basically like he uh morbius takes this uh oh so the the leader of the mercenary says oh man you don't look so good uh you uh you you need a doctor to which Jared Leto quips, I am a doctor. And so, but be that as it may, um, I, I think the sentiment stands. I'm kind of like team mercenary guy here. It's like if he looks like crap and needs a doctor, it doesn't matter if he himself is a doctor. It'd be like if I'm a, if I'm a barber and somebody tells me I need a haircut and I say I'm a barber. That doesn't make any damn sense. It's like you still need a haircut. Uh but anyway, so he takes uh he takes a machete from the the head mercenary um after like um erecting this this weird technological trap thing to trap the vampire bats he uh takes the machete and slices his hand open you've seen it in the trailer he puts his hand out and then the vampire bats come after him um and they all fly away and through and out of this cave there, there's some dialogue about the vampire bats i don't remember what it was i don't really care um but basically, like, the vampire bats, like, swarm the mercenaries. Are those guys dead? I don't know. Um, how does this trap thing work? I don't know. Um, because all we see is this flood of vampire bats flying through this gate thing past Morbius and uh, um, kind of surrounding the helicopter like a cloud. And and then it just... Um, uh, uh, smash cut to black and then it goes to the flashback 20 something years previously with the uh, Dickensian 
a hospital. I got that all mixed up. Um, so it's like a like a, a present day, then a flashback, and then back to uh, present day. But anyway, so Morbius is in this lab, and she's giving him a hard time for these uh, experiments that he's doing. Like his his plan is to uh, let me see if I understand this correctly. He is going to combine vampire bat DNA with human DNA, hopefully in a cure uh, and in a way to cure his blood disease because uh, there's something about like something the vampire bats uh, produce uh, like in their saliva or some such like that. But it doesn't there 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 is there's no talk of their um why being a vampire would cure him or that even being a vampire is something that he's look he's not looking to turn himself into a vampire um or at least i don't think so it's kind of unclear um but uh, apparently he uh uh, goes to a- after this he he's you know working on this experiment he thinks it's ready for human trials oh he uh, he injects it into a mouse the mouse dies they think that um that the experiment was a failure but then so um in in this in this lab there's a little girl who might not have a name who has uh, I guess maybe the same kind of blood disease that Morbius does, or maybe she just really sick. I don't know. But there's a um, th- there's there's a lot of time spent with this little girl early in um early in the scene, and she ends up having some kind of arrest episode or something where the only way to save her life is to induce a coma and they induce a coma on this little girl and then i think that's what starts the clock in morbius's mind where he really wants to to um go through with this experiment and figure out how to make the serum not only to save himself but now this little uh girl as well and I am here to tell you now because, again, it's a full spoiler uh, discussion thing. That girl is never seen again. Uh, Does she get cured? Who could know? Um, She disappears from the movie after this, and it is uh, uh, bizarre. But basically what happens is after they induce this coma, uh, Jared Leto goes to visit his uh um his old buddy he goes to uh look up uh milo who is now some kind of billionaire uh some kind of shady dealings person regardless it's matt smith so if you're because you're wondering why i didn't mention matt smith earlier this is why i didn't mention matt smith earlier and if you are following along with everything that I've already said, you've probably already figured it out. You've probably already seen other folks talk about it already. But basically, Matt Smith is the villain of this movie. And I should have mentioned this earlier when I was spending so much time talking about the 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 Dickensian little boy. Um, once, well, I mean, shoot. Once, I, I, 
I'm not usually the guy that can clock this stuff right away. But there was something about this where I was like, oh, you're introducing a character with the same disease. Oh, no, this is what we're doing. Um, and, uh, you know, jumping way, way ahead. Yeah, sure enough, this this movie is just the same superhero movie where, like, the villain is the same as the hero. They have the same powers, same abilities, same type of thing. So as soon as you see this little boy with the same blood disease as young Michael Morbius, you can clock that immediately. And then in present day, when you realize it's Matt Smith, it's like, oh, yeah, so so here we go. Um, and apparently has shady dealings. Uh, Morbius needs to... Uh, get out to international waters to do this experiment on himself for some reason doesn't matter matt smith gives him a, a cargo carrier and a and a, um, a crew of mercenaries and he goes out into international waters morbius does and begins working on a cure so basically he injects himself and after uh however after morbius breaks free of his bonds Martine opens his containment field, causing Morbius to escape and massacre the entire crew, draining them of their blood. During the, con during the conflict, Martine is rendered comatose. So basically what happens is, yeah, so you get this extended sequence of Morbius not knowing what's happening to him, and much like a, a classic horror monster, he becomes the vampire and in what i think is the only thing resembling an almost good action sequence uh basically uh with his new vampire powers um just um uh, uh just kind of just kind of uh kills these mercenaries but the this sequence and I found myself chuckling. Um, this sequence underscores a big, massive problem with this movie. This is capital letters, what's wrong with this movie? So Morbius is supposed to be a vampire, right? And what do vampires do? They, you know, they, they suck the blood and they have like the superhuman powers. And we see that, you know, Morbius has like these, these long talon like fingernails. He's, he's got claws basically. And basically what happens is this dizzying display of computer generated video game PG 13 violence that is completely toothless and it's it's so frustrating because like there, there's a lot of people getting thrown um there there's a lot of people getting like um there, there's one scene I, I think it might be in the trailer i don't remember but there's like a scene where like um uh so morbius's kind of like signature move is like um i i don't know how to describe it but basically like you know kind of like because I, I don't play video games but it's it's very video gamey, but it's one of those things where like you do like some kind of like cheat code. You do like a circle square two two, and then you run right up to your opponent, and then there's like this slow motion thing where like Morbius goes to like slash this guy, but all you see is his hand just kind of like swipe at him, and then the dude just kind of falls over, and it's like oh I I guess he dead. 
Um, okay. Um, there's a lot of that. And then there's um, a, a lot of slashings where it's like um, you don't see anything, but like you hear the sound effects. So like um, th- there's one sequence where like, you know, Morbius will kind of like slash a dude across the neck, but it's like really dark. There's no blood. You can't see anything. But but then you hear like the Murgle gurgling dudes like, and I'm like, oh, what what happened? Did like somebody like pop your uh, juice box or something like that? Um, it, it's it's all very wet sounding like in the it's all audio. It's no visual. There's like not a drop of blood. Actually, there there's a couple things where um, they do this dumb effect where there's like a, a blood spatter across the lens of the camera. Um, they do that a couple times, and that's real dumb. Um, I think there's maybe like a couple. Uh, 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 some cast off or some spatter against a wall at some point, but you don't see anything that resembles real blood. And even when most egregiously of all, when this character that is supposed to be a vampire, a vampire, what does a vampire do? He bites your neck, he drinks your blood. All you see is is Morbius rolling up to some of these dudes like he's nuzzling for some Netflix and chill. Like, you know, like this dude's going to end up with a real hickey. Uh, and, you know, you'll hear like some like, and like that, that's, but that's really about it. Um, so there, there's no blood on the ground. There's no blood on Morbius. There's, there's nothing is just completely bloodless. And, it's only because you know the cinematic language of what vampires do that you even have any comprehension of what's happening. Because it's like, okay, well, he just kind of like, uh, like, like Will Smith just. I, and and again, I know it's by the time you're listening to this, that is already tired. But like, that's really what he's doing. He's not really punching. It's just kind of like slashing. It's a lot of slashing and a lot of slapping. So where it's like he slaps a dude, he flies across the room, and apparently he did. But then, like, he, again, I I realize I'm repeating myself now, but um, fortunately I'm not going to repeat it again because, like, this is the only sequence in the movie that even tries to do this. And, um because the 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 rest of the movie is very boring and very nothing. This is like the only thing that resembles a good action scene and it has no teeth, it has no blood and it just it, it's really frustrating because again it's sanitized, it's PG-13 and I don't know man, if you're if you're making a vampire movie, make a fucking vampire movie or don't. Um, th- this kind of like in between stuff is is really frustrating. And incidentally, you know, I, I know I just swore there, but like it's within this the sequence that you get like the one F bomb. And it's said by like some goon as he's going somewhere else. He's like, oh, buh, 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 don't tell me what to F and do. And like that was it. It's like it wasn't even direct. It wasn't even on camera. It was just kind of like a, a over the shoulder line. It's like at a time where you can uh, weaponize your one f bomb. Uh, what a waste. Um, and I think that's very uh, telling about the rest of this movie as well. 
Um, I also at this point want to kind of talk about the the I don't know for lack of the 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 the. I mentioned earlier in the non-spoiler section about kind of like the the visual style and the aesthetic of the special effects. I don't know what they're trying to do because like whenever Morbius goes into action, there's like, first of all, we're, we're doing like some uh, discount bullet time. So there's a lot of slow-mo, but there's also kind of like this... Um, uh, wave effect that's casting off of him. It looks like a terrible Instagram filter where basically like it's sometimes it's smoke or mist or um, contrails. No, uh, but basically like it's basically like kind of like a wavy um, I'm, I'm waving my hands around like I'm like you can see what I'm doing, but basically it's uh, I, 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 I don't even know how to describe it but basically it's like the, this vapor trail basically a vapor trail wherever he goes but there's it, it plays off of the colors of anything that he's interacting with so like his hands are white so there's like white vapor trails coming off of him whereas his clothes are black so it's like these these white and uh, uh, black streaks there's a little bit of red also because like his eyes are red and it it literally looks like an effect from a video game. Um, and it, it, it's real dumb. I, and I think they're they're trying to make something uh, visually unique, but it doesn't it, it doesn't do anything. It's it, it's just a it's just a waste of space. But um, the other thing also with like the, this vapor trail and why I'm having such a difficult time to describe it is that it also um looks almost like paint like like there's a, there's a fluid texture to it there there's there's a viscosity to the uh trailing effects as well and it reminded me and uh there, there's a sequence especially like towards the end of the movie that i really thought about this but like you know i i don't know if uh if you've ever done this thing where like you go to like um a bar or some kind of party where it's kind of like i mean this is a pre-rona or even a post-rona activity where, where basically like you're it's like a a drink and paint type of thing you're you're given like a canvas square they put it on like a rotating table and you can pick like four or five colors of paint and you just kind of like squeeze the paint onto your canvas you spin the wheel however you like and then it's just um you know it, it becomes art um i've i've done it with lucky before she seems to like it way more than i do but uh but that's that's what that vapor trail effect reminds me of it it's like it's it's splattered paint um real dumb effect Oh yeah, so very early on, um, th this uh, this mercenary is like weirdly gruff with her. Um, I don't know why. <laughs> um, I, I guess maybe just to add uh, some additional conflict. But basically, like during the struggle, she gets bonked on the head and is uh, rendered unconscious, so she doesn't get to see the horror of what Morbius has become. Um, so basically after uh uh Morbius kind of comes back to his senses and his bloodlust has subsided um he 
watches the the security footage, is horrified by what's happened, and erases all the footage, and then calls in a distress call. You know, mayday, mayday, mayday. Uh, you know, we're we're out in the middle of international waters. Please come send help. And then he just jumps overboard. He and so. I mean, maybe this lady will be okay. I mean, she bonked her head and was comatose. Meanwhile, there's like um, a, a bunch of like dead fools that are like not just like dead, but like super dead and like horrifically uh, uh, murdered or at least hor- PG-13 horrifically murdered. Really, they're just kind of like they look like they're sleeping. It looks like they're having a sleepover. I'm j- I guess I'm just imagining what this nice lady would experience when she wakes up and sees the carnage. But uh, returning to New York City, Morbius continues his experiments, subsiding on his synthetic blood until it begins to grow less potent, finding his original set of vampire bats to view him as a... Uh, okay, I'll come back to that in a sec. So yeah, so here, here's the, the, the gimmick, is that... Um, Morbius has created this synthetic blood. I think that's a thing from the comics, but again, I'm not a student of the material, so I couldn't really say, but basically like in, he, he times himself and whenever he gets like the vampire urges, um, he, uh, he drinks the synthetic blood and, I, I guess that's got to be an MPAA thing where it's like we're we're making a vampire movie where we're not really doing vampire stuff. I guess a a, a Marvel superhero drinking blue uh, blood. It, it looks delicious. It, it has a well, actually, no, it doesn't look delicious at all. It actually kind of looks like a colonoscopy stuff where it's like it's kind of like has a faint blue hue to it. It's a uh, it's kind of chalky looking. Um, doesn't look at all like blood. Um, but anyway, so he's, uh, he's drinking this stuff like it's, uh, like it's mountain frost Gatorade. And, um, so apparently that kind of keeps the vampire urges away, but it underscores a problem that I don't understand about his superpowers, how his superpowers work. Does he have superpowers when he's in between, um, uh, uh, feeding uh, sessions or does he have to drink the blood and then he gets superpowers it's, it's weirdly ill-defined because different things happen at different times during the movie where it's uh it's very very frustrating but um he uh so in in this in this lab oh my gosh the, this sequence so he's created himself like this this uh bat cave for lack of a better term this lab and in there there's like a column of uh these vampire bats that apparently he's he's keeping and I don't know why oh to to experiment on what am I talking about um but there's like a couple different times where like you know he goes into the the bat cage and can like commune with the bats and uh it's and it's all very silly because like so we're we're doing the superhero origin thing where we're doing like the inventory of abilities he um he realizes that he now has superhuman strength. He can like jump and and look like Jared Leto after he's uh, lifted for a few. He you know he gets uh, um, you know he gets swole and looks uh, you know looks very healthy. Oh, that reminds me that that's the other thing. So I mentioned about like the superpowers. The other thing that that's kind of wonky 
is uh, so when the the blood wears off, there's like this weird body horror scene where like his legs and arms start uh, going infirm again and you get like some like, you know, uh uh, bone cracking sound effects and it and it's very it's very the ring and it's like you know crick crack crack and he's like oh, I can't walk I need I need my canes and again I don't understand how a blood disease affects his uh, bone structure but whatever um, I think that's when he realizes that he he needs to drink the blood to um, uh, to stay like a uh, swole uh, Jared Leto. Um, but in there also, he uh, and in th- th- this was a great snicker moment for me as well. He he's doing the inventory of abilities, and then he says earnestly that he's developed a um, echolocation ability, and he does this thing where like his uh, his eyes go all milky white and. There's like these little uh, filaments in his ears. They look like little gills or hairs or something like that. And they start like trilling. And then it just becomes Daredevil. Like, like, like not the good Daredevil, the Ben Affleck one. And so like his echolocation just looks like Daredevil's radar sense. And he does this thing where he's throwing this ball around. And then so with the echolocation, that's where he can like slow down time and like this red ball has like this this uh, vapor wave trailer uh, trail on it. Again, kind of like that that um, uh, smudged paint um, aesthetic. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it more, there 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 is a sequence where like he's catching the ball and I swear it looks like the cover of Metallica's Load album. And if you're familiar with that, um, ew. <laughs> so that that's um, th- that's not really a, a visual cue that you want to have in your PG-13, presumably uh, family-friendly, um, not vampire movie. But I got to talk about the, uh, the FBI agents. So they... Uh, um, cold on the trail of Morbius for this entire movie. So I mentioned Tyrese a lot earlier. He uh, plays uh, FBI agent Simon Stroud and his partner, um, Al Rodriguez, um, who is played by Al Madrigal. I think that's, I, I doubt that's the way to pronounce it, but um, apparently he's a, a comedy actor, or at least that's what I am led to believe, because this character is supposed to be the comic relief. And I promise you, he is not. This character is awful. And so basically, like, Tyrese is meant to be like the straight man. And this this Al character is is very quippy, but like none of the quips land um, and it's 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 very annoying. Um, but basically, these two FBI agents show up cold on the trail. Uh, meanwhile, after Milo arrives at Morbius's lab, he's looking for uh, Martine. He um, he is surprised to see that Morbius has cured himself, uh, but he finds him when he's like, oh, he does this thing where like he locks himself in this um, 
in this uh, cage to see how long he can last before he needs uh, vampire blood. So Matt Smith shows up and he's like, oh, hey, what's what's going on, buddy? And uh, Jared Leto is like, I need the blood. Oh, you need some blood? So he uh, he goes to the uh, uh, the refrigerator grabs a bunch of a bunch of blood for Jared Leto and he's like nom 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 I'm okay again except he doesn't turn into Monster Morbius he just turns into uh, hunky Jared Leto it's very confusing but in there there there's an exchange between Jared Leto and Matt Smith and he's like well wait a sec I uh, you you figured out the cure and I I wants it and that exchange ends with um you know morbius basically saying like well this is a curse um and you know i i can't i can't have anybody else uh uh you know doing this and you know it's terrible and it's awful and you know i i i drank blood and i'm a vampire now and ah it's real stupid um and then the scene just kind of ends then uh, let's see if I remember correctly. So it kind of, uh, from there, it kind of cuts to a nurse in the clinic or the lab where Morbius and uh, what's her nuts, uh, Bart Martin, where they work. And um, it, it's this spooky, scary hallway scene where there's like a shadowy figure at the at the end of the hallway, and it's getting closer. And it's getting closer, and this goes on for for a very long time. Um, but when the lights go out, this uh, this nurse character gets jumped, uh, presumably by a vampire person, because later when the FBI agent showed up, it's like, oh no, she's been drained of her blood. Um, so, so yeah, so, so, so she's super dead. Um, but basically, what what happens is. Uh, it becomes a murder mystery at this point. It's like, oh no, who killed the poor nurse? Is it, is it, is it Morbius? Has, has his lust for blood made, made his memory fuzzy? Because it's like, hey buddy, did, did you, did you vampire this nice lady? No, no way. I would never vampire this, this nice lady. We like work together and stuff. So basically, uh, Morbius decides that he needs to escape the uh, uh, the hospital and th- there's like this chase through the through the hospital where like he runs into the FBI guys and there's this this chase through the hospital um, uh, who they oh gosh so so they I think they figured out that it might be that Morbius might be involved because uh, I guess one of the other things that, that that Jared Leto does for a hobby is he makes origami and apparently they found one of his origami things on the boat. I've kind of forgot about that. Uh, but anyway, so like after this 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 uh, um, harrowing chase through the hospital, uh, uh, Tyrese catches up with him and they arrest him. They arrest uh, Michael Morbius. Um but there, there's the sequence where um, this uh, Al Rodriguez character they they go to interrogate Morbius, and he's got like a vial of holy water, and it kind of underscores one of again one of the problems with this movie is first of all we're not saying vampire. Nobody is saying vampire at all. Like I, I am really kind of disappointed 
that the move the title of the movie isn't Morbius, comma the Living Vampire because I think that's a cool name and I think that would look cooler on a poster and certainly um, uh, cooler than than just Morbius. What what does that tell me? What what the hell is a Morbius? I mean, at least Venom. I understand what a Venom is, um, but yeah, no, it's just it's it, it, it's very um, oh god, it, it is. It is just so frustrating and there's more quips and there's there's more uh, quote unquote comic relief. Um, But one of the things that's not really defined is, um, you know, do like vampire do vampires exist in this world? Because like the the holy water thing is kind of a gag, but I, I don't know if these FBI agents believe he's a vampire or not because they've come across these, um, you know, like eight or nine bodies at this point that have, that, that have been completely extanguinated of, uh, of their blood. So I don't know. I just, I, it's, uh, again, very um, ill-defined. I'm realizing how detailed this, uh, this plot summary is and how much it's making me remember about this awful movie that I want to forget about. Morbius is locked in jail, and so he's in his prison jumpsuit, and um, the prison guard tells him his lawyer is here to see him, and sure enough, the lawyer is Milo, it's Matt Smith, and he uh, promises to use his shady connections to get Morbius freed, but then he leaves, uh, he goes to leave, and he leaves a a baggie of uh, blood, of red blood, of human blood. And that's another thing that, that's frustrating about this movie. Like, you know, we're not saying blood a lot. Um, we're just calling it by color. So, like, the synthetic blood is blue and the human blood is red. So it's like, oh, I don't know how much longer I can drink the blue. I might have to start drinking the red. There's a lot of drinking the red uh, references in this movie and it's awful but then at a at a certain point so like there there's kind of like a couple of different things concurrently happening in morbius's mind one he's getting really itchy because it's been a while since he's drank some blood whether it's whether it's the blue or the red but he also realizes that uh milo has left his cane behind and he's shown walking with a uh, with a cane uh very often and through that, he has figured out, because now he's Detective Morbius, he's figured out that Matt Smith must have taken the, the cure, the serum, at some point and most likely cured, uh, killed the, the nurse lady. And basically, so then what happens is Morbius drinks the red, he, he drinks that baggie of human blood, gets coked up on superpowers so i guess i answered my own question i guess you have to drink the blood to get the superpowers and basically he escapes from prison to uh confront matt smith there there there's a sequence earlier where matt smith is shown uh vamping and is running around like topless and like there's some like right said fred music he's like you know i'm too sexy type of thing and you know kind of very um american psycho uh type of thing and anyway so so matt smith goes to a bar and uh is kind of he's trying to hit on this lady and uh kind of gets roughed up and decides instead of massacring everybody he decides to just um 
uh, leave it alone. No, wait a sec. No, I'm I I think I'm mixing that up with a different thing. Well, here in in the in the plot summary. After Milo leaves without his cane, Morbius realizes he has taken the cure and most likely killed the nurse and escapes from prison to confront him, hearing him kill a man who mocked Morbius for his original disability. That's what it was. Okay, so there there was a time where where Morbius is walking around with like like his uh, cane thing and some dude is making fun of him. Matt Smith goes back and kills that dude, I guess. Um Basically, so basically, there, there's this confrontation, and you see that Matt Smith now has like a vampire face, and it looks really dumb because he's still just Matt Smith with his foppish uh, Matt Smith hair. Uh, the makeup looks really, really bad. Uh, but basically, it's it's the big confrontation. It's like you know, he's like, yeah, I I killed that nurse because I had the same bloodlust, you know, just like how you killed all those mercenaries. We're the same. Uh, Milo asks Morbius to join him, and you know, so they can embrace their true selves and live as vampires. Um, and then there's like this big fight in the subway. And they're chasing each other, and then the cops get involved, and it's uh, it's a bunch of dizzying computer-generated nonsense. But basically, like the cops show up, and Matt Smith just kind of kills all of them. And and it's the same thing. It's a lot of like pushing. It's a lot of throwing, and it's a lot of Will Smith uh, limp-wristed uh, um, slap slashing. Um, but yeah, you know, they, they, he uh, kills all the cops. Um, and then, and then this, this thing where I can only be, I could only describe it as the, they fly now sequence. Um, so there's, uh, my God, this does kind of weirdly remind me of, of the matrix and like not in a good way, but basically, um, Morbius, who is better at using his echolocation skills, um, senses that the subway train is coming and I'm going to talk this through real slowly because I still don't understand how it makes sense so time slows down and then Morbius kind of like puts his arm out and I talked about this when I've talked about Infinite before that Marky Mark movie that nobody saw on the Paramount Plus and where it's like so it becomes like this this computer generated wind tunnel and uh, Morbius just kind of does this, like, you know how, like, when you stick your hand out the window and you can feel the power of the wind and you're just kind of, like, waving your arm like you're going along with the wave? He does one of those, and then as the train comes, he jumps in front of it, but then somehow because he's catching the wave or something... Morbius can now fly, but he's flying in front of the train. So I don't know if the train is propelling him or if the movement of the train has anything to do with anything. But basically, now that he's wearing the the prison orange jumpsuit, now we're we're doing that that vaporwave effect where it's you know it's 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 spilled orange paint um all over the place and it just looks awful. So again, I I don't know if that that's they're trying to make that aesthetic look interesting or or what. I I just I don't understand. Um and then that that um that that scene just ends. And so I don't know where Matt Smith goes. Um and and so Morbius just kind of escapes. 
the next day, uh, Morbius meets with uh, Martine and tells her of Milo's involvement and asks her to stay away. Um, and then in one of the more baffling uh scenes of of the movie and this kind of touches on something that was in a different trailer but not the one that i played for you but basically what happens is um so so they're they're in a cafe um uh morbius and martine and there's like a bit of sunlight and and like in a little rare bit of attempted comedy from uh, Jared Leto, he kind of puts his arm out into the sunlight and he's like, ooh, hot. And and Martine is like generally, genuinely, um, uh, you know, like fearful. Oh, my gosh. And he's like, ah, ha, ha, not that kind of vampire. And it's just like, OK, whatever. But during this sequence, he sees a gang of toughs try to pass off a bunch of counterfeit bills at this cafe. And so Morbius then, let me see if this tracks. So Morbius follows the counterfeiters back to their lair, which seems to be like in an abandoned mall or something. There's like, there's, yeah, I mean, I I guess it's a mall. That's the only way I could describe it. And um, it's, it's so weird. Like, so there's a bunch of like gear and technology for them to uh, make counterfeit money. But there's also a bunch of like overgrown vegetation. As I said, it's very weird. But basically, like he tells the the this gang here to kick rocks. And of course, they want no part of it. Now, instead of because, you know, he is not a villain, I guess, um, Morbius just kind of like scares them off. And there's this scene in a trailer where like he uh, grabs the guy and says, do you know who I am? I don't know. And he's like, I am venom. And it, uh, it, it scares the, scares the dude off. Now in the trailer though, it says, you know, he does the, I am venom thing, but then changes his face back and says, I'm just kidding. I I'm, it's just Michael Morbius at your service or whatever makes no damn sense. Doesn't make any sense. So, but anyway, so um, because Morbius is on the run from the FBI guys that are cold on the trail, um, he has this new lab where he's trying to develop a compound to reverse the um, the cure. And he ends up doing it through some, some science, I guess. And basically, um, he comes up with this compound where it... Um, oh, I... I don't remember what it is. It's like it, it's it's lethal to humans, but it's deadly to vampire bats or some such like that. So it's like uh, this will kill you dead. And he, he makes he makes two vials of it, thinking that he's going to uh, take out Matt Smith and then take himself out. Meanwhile, uh, Tyrese and the other guy uh, find uh, some footage of the attacks from. Uh, the other vampire and realize that it is indeed Milo. It is not uh, Morbius um, recognizing him as someone other than Morbius and his vampirism to be spreading. They release it to the media and, you know, suddenly it's it's vampire fever. Um, Although virtually unrecognizable, Milo is recognized by Nicholas, who goes to his apartment and pleads with him to stop. 
uh, deriding him for always treating Morbius as quote unquote daddy's favorite. And uh, they, so Matt Smith and um, um, oh, what, what the hell is his name? Jared Harris. They, they have, you know, they have words, they have this uh, confrontation and basically um, instead of uh, vampiring him, he just kind of like uh, slashes him across the gut um, which you see, so I guess this is the only time you see blood in the movie, but it's just basically because his shirt is torn and has blood on it. So you don't see, you don't see any wounds or you don't actually see the attack. It's like, it's, it's so funny. It's like you see Matt Smith pull his hand back and then when he goes to do the swipe, the camera cuts away. And then when the camera cuts away again, it's a uh, Jared Harris with a, with uh, Oh no, he's tore up his uh, shirt. Um, but anyway, he he tells him to call to Morbius and then he leaves. Uh, as Morbius responds to Nicholas's call and goes to his side, he watches him die. And um, then Milo makes his way to uh, Martine and um, attacks her as well. I think he does something where... Um, I, I don't know what he does. He, he, does, he does something where he uh, scratches her. I forgot about something that I did want to mention earlier um, about like when they're in the lab and um, I, I, I almost wish I hadn't remembered uh, to mention this, but basically th- there, there's a scene where Morbius and Martine are in the lab, the, the counterfeiters lab working on the reverse cure type of thing. It's uh it's shortly after the FBI guys go to Martine's apartment uh, looking for her, thinking they're going to find Morbius. And they go up to like her, uh, the cat's litter box and, and, uh, um, uh, not Tyrese, uh, the other guy, uh, Rodriguez shakes the, the litter box. See that sees that it's empty. Um, and notices the cat is gone. And so is she. And then it, then it cuts to her with Morbius and you see that there's a cat with them. And, um, this lady goes to open up a can of cat food and ends up slicing her finger open and it starts to bleed. And there, and Morbius is shown having this reaction where he's like, Oh man, I likes that blood. I got these urges. And, uh, he tells her, he's like, you know, you, you should really cover that up. And, I don't know. Maybe it was because of the mood that I was in, but that that hit me really wrong. And maybe it's because he's um, a male character and she's a female character. But I think it ha- it, it says some kind of like wrongheaded things about uh, females' responsibilities for males' urges. Like, so imagine like instead of like cutting her finger and he's a vampire that she's just wearing like skimpy clothes, but he's sitting there like having like sexual urges or whatever because he can't control himself because he's he's a toxic dude or whatever. And his response to that, rather than being responsible for him own his own self is say, hey, maybe you should wear some pants. Now, your mileage might vary, but like for some reason that was my read on the scene at the time and I really didn't like it. Um 
but anyway, jumping back to uh, this uh, the, this final confrontation, we're kind of in the the, the last uh, motion of the movie. But basically, like, so Milo has already killed Jared Harris, I guess. Um, he's he's shown to have some like. I, see again because there there's no graphic violence in this movie it's really unclear who gets vampired and who doesn't because also i would say that both matt smith and uh jared leto they not only have like uh stereotypical vampire fangs but they have like a complete set set of sharpened teeth so if like these guys are biting your neck they're they're taking out like chunks it's it's not like the simple uh puncture wounds um if it is meant to be that nothing is shown but anyway like i i remember like on jared harris there was like some like i don't know some either like discoloration or scuffing so much of this movie takes place at night so i think that um like the blood on his shirt isn't even red it's probably just I don't know, uh, uh, chocolate syrup or something like that. But like red blood is a thing that is not shown in this movie unless it's a, in a baggie, um, which which again is 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 kind of lame. Either make it R rated or or just don't do it. I, I don't know. Um, and then so then Milo does some kind of thing with her. I think like uh, again, like I think he slashes her or something. And basically what happens is Morbius is on the other side of town. He's with Jared Harris and he does this thing where like Batman, he gets up like on on the corner of a building and he does his echolocation bat radar thing. And like, you know, his eyes go white, his ears start tingling and there's like reverberating sound waves through the city where basically he's trying to focus specifically on her. He hears that she's in distress and he can like see where she is. And then in the most spectacular piece of computer generated buffoonery, this dude, or at least uh, Jared Leto's um, uh, computer stunt double jumps off of the building and then kind of like squirrel suit glide flies. It's not like a Superman flies type of thing. So I don't know what kind of propulsion he has if or or really what, what the situation is. But basically like he flies and glides through uh, the city to go presumably go rescue her. But at this point in the movie, he's undergone a costume change. Now uh, Jared Leto has a long black jacket with a uh, lavender liner inside. So kind of like how uh, Wesley Snipes' Blade, how, like, I think it's in Blade Trinity. Maybe it's in Blade 2, I don't remember. But basically, like, the the liner of his jacket is red, which really looks cool. Um, uh, When uh, Morbius has the same kind of thing and it's purple, it does not look cool, and it especially does not look cool when we're doing the vapor wave uh, smudged paint effect. So it's so it's 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 black and white because he's pale, and then the purple from the from the lavender liner, and it's just like, what are we doing? And this is like the closest thing this guy comes to like a superhero costume i should also note at this point that matt smith has no kind of costume at all he's just running around in business suits um 
with with some vague vampire makeup on. It's very silly, very bad. Um, so yeah, so basically, like, uh, uh, Morbius goes to uh, Martine, who is now uh, mortally wounded. Oh no, I'm 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 not gonna make it. But um, she tells him, you know, basically, like, you have to. Uh, stop him and then she just dies and then so after she died she she already dead he then morbius gives you nuzzles her neck and gives her a hickey he's like like um he he done vampires her but there's a couple things weird i mean i i mentioned some weird uncomfortable things earlier about like you know consent and stuff so i i might be misremembering this but I don't think she says to him, feed on my blood. Like that was a scene like in Blade in like that first movie, uh, like the, the lady that's with Blade. She's like, um, oh, no, you're all beat up. You need what do you need? I need blood. And she like pulls her hair back and offers her neck consenting to to getting vampired. I don't think there's any kind of consent here. Also, she dead. So is this like some weird like necrophilia type of stuff going on here? It raises too many questions. It's very weird. It's mildly uncomfortable. But anyway, so she dead and he uh, drinks all her blood. And now he has superpowers. He's super Morbius. And he confronts uh, Milo. They fight into some kind of sewer thing. And really, the fight, the best way I could describe it is it looks like the fight from the end of Venom, where it's just like two characters with identical superpowers in a dizzying display of visual effects that looks like garbage um i don't think there's a jared leto or a matt smith in the scene i think they're both uh uh computer generated uh nonsense things um but what what i find really frustrating and i i don't it, it's very ill-defined how well matt smith has developed his own superpowers like um basically how um morbius defeats milo is by um in a very batman thing he calls out to all of the vampire bats that are in new york city which i guess are thousands i thought the only vampire bats he had were the ones that he stole from the amazon and brought with him but whatever he brings all these vampire bats and it just adds to the dizzying cloud of computer generated uh nonsense and but the but the thing that ends up doing Matt Smith in is like we're we're going into slow motion where like um I think Matt Smith has some kind of like spear or something and he leaps up through the bats and he's gonna he's gonna stick the Morbius but then Morbius like stops time or something or moves quickly again I I don't understand how his superpowers work but he's basically able to get the drop on matt smith and sticks him with the the uh the anti-serum that kills him and basically like uh i i think like the bats kind of like hold him down or some such like that but basically like 
he turns back from a vampire back into Matt Smith and they they have they have this uh conversation again about the name it's like you know he calls him Lucian he's like no I'm Milo you you gave me that name or something like that and I I I I don't I I don't understand what that means but basically like Matt Smith just dies he just dead um and that's just kind of that's just kind of uh the end of him but that's not the end of the movie. So basically what happens is um, Morbius, now that he feels like, I don't know, disconnected from um, humanity, you know, it's like his his uh, father figure who may or may not be actually his father, um, his colleague who may or may not be his girlfriend, and his uh, childhood brother who may or may not be his actual brother, all those people are dead. And so he uh, summons his swarm of vampire bats, uh, goes into the sky, um, and according to this plot summary, embraces his identity as a vampire in full sight of the city. And um, that's almost the end of the movie, but not quite. Because right before that... We smash cut to Martine, who is now super dead and has been vampired. So she had her blood all sucked, but also was already going to die from her wounds. Suddenly, bafflingly, she come back to life. So like like her eyes shoot open and they're like glowing purple. And it's like, wait a second. So I need to understand the rules of this vampire situation because everything in this movie prior to that point has told me that none of the traditional vampire rules apply. Like, so it's not like if you suffer the bite of the vampire, you become the vampire. Um, There are multiple folks who have been killed either by Morbius or by Milo and none of them have been coming back to life. Uh, Jared Harris didn't come back to life. So it's like, to what extent are we thinking that vampires come back to life? And I, I don't remember my vampire lore very well. Is it something where they're like almost, almost dead, but not totally dead? I don't remember, but like, I mean, that lady is explicitly dead and gets her blood sucked after she's dead. So I don't understand what kind of mechanism it is that 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 she comes back to life. But that's all it is like her eyes open. And that's that's a wrap on her. And then, like I said a while ago, basically, Morbius just kind of like rises up, flies towards the camera cut to black and we're back in uh the synthwave uh titles and as i already talked about before in the mid-credit scenes um michael keaton adrian toombs the vulture finds himself transported to morbius's universe by a magic spell he is then released from prison and approaches morbius uh suggesting they form a team the end it's it's incomprehensible it doesn't make any sense I don't understand. Um, I've already litigated the um, the implications for like what universe this is and what this means for the overall continuity. But here's another thing that that I do not understand. Now that I have gone through the entire plot of the movie with you, is Morbius a villain? 
is Morbius a hero? Is Morbius an anti-hero? Because um, it, it feels like they're they're trying to set him up like Venom, but it's not really any of those things. And I think now again, I haven't seen the movie, but it it I think that's the problem that Venom Two has is that he spends a whole lot of the movie not really doing anything. Um, and and I think that's kind of the thing with Morbius here. He's not. Um, so yeah, so he has a fight with a bad guy that his is his equal opposite. Um, very much the the comic book movie tradition, whether it's MCU or or otherwise, it's it's just the way the these movies go. I have no idea if Matt Smith's character is a is a character from the comics. Like I'm looking at the uh, the. Um, uh, Wikipedia, and it says Matt Smith as Milo Morbius. Milo Morbius? See, I'm so confused. Uh, Morbius's surrogate brother, a rich man originally named Lucian, who suffers from the same rare blood disease as Morbius. When Milo gains the same ability as Morbius, he embraces them and becomes a villain. Smith was originally announced to play comic book character uh, Loaxis Crown slash Hunger, but later changed to a significantly different character based on Morbius himself. I don't understand what any of that means, but one of the things that um, I was reminded of in going back to the wiki here, um, after previously turning down other superhero film roles, Matt Smith joined the film due to director Daniel Espinoza's involvement and encouragement from his Doctor Who castmate Karen Gillan, who plays Nebula in the MCU. Um, Espinosa encouraged Smith to give a bold villainous performance. Uh, Matt Smith is a cursed dude. Like apparently he was going to be in a star Wars movie and that role got cut. Um, he was in, uh, that Terminator Genesis and, um, is really kind of a, a mysterious turd in that movie. And so he's been dodgy about, doing comic book movies and I feel bad for him and I understand where where Karen Gallen was coming from saying like oi I I love these comic book movies blah 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 um then he realizes it's a Sony not Spider-Man movie same thing with Tyrese it, it's just like oh man I'm going to be in a Marvel movie like like in this like like with Tyrese it says he he uh uh plays uh, Simon Stroud, an FBI agent hunting Morbius. Tyrese noted that this character is white in the comic books and the producers, quote unquote, make made him black to cast the actor. Uh, Stroud has a, quote unquote, high tech weapons grade arm in the film. And Gibson described him as a superhero. Tyrese has signed a three-picture deal when he joined the film. Oh, my God. Oh, that's so bad. Um, but, like, and, and I forgot about all of that until I watched that trailer again. There is a shot that is not in the movie where Tyrese has some kind of nonsense on his arm that is not in the movie at all. But I feel bad for these folks because they thought that they were going to be in a Spider-Man movie. And this is most certainly not a spider-man movie um i I guess one of the last things i want to want to close on is um uh the runtime like i so when i got the press invite i thought it was going to be an hour and 50 minutes um but then um i saw that it 
the, the the runtime has changed a couple different times and it's changed like in like the last few days. I don't know what the final runtime on the screening that I saw, but what I'm seeing now is that like it's a uh, it's 104 minutes. Uh, whereas like earlier in the week, I saw there was 108 minutes. So um, it's less than two hours. And because of that, it feels rushed. I don't want to say this movie needs to be longer, but it, it is it, it is a chopped up nightmare. So between like all the stuff that's in the trailer that's not in the movie, what what does the original version of this movie look like? I just I I'm I, I'm baffled. But before I um, uh, officially close it out, because I'm I'm closing in on I think I've already eclipsed the uh, the runtime of the movie. But um, something I wanted to share with you before I left is I found one positive review of the movie. Well, actually, let me go back to the the wiki a sec. Uh, so uh, Leah uh, Greenblatt of Entertainment Weekly gave the film a B grade, saying that Jared Leto, quote, hits the right notes of fear and longing in a surprisingly restrained performance. Uh, while Stephanie Zacharek of Time felt that Leto's performance has a, quote, quiet, vibrating vulnerability. Mick LaSalle of the San Francisco Chronicle awarded the film three out of four stars and called the film briskly riveting and a, quote, perfect antidote to the bloated the batman which i i can agree with a little bit it's half the runtime um chris bumbry of joblo.com gave the film a six out of ten and called it a direct enough start for the latest addition to the sony spider-man universe while also praising the cinematography and horror aspects of the plot writing for the new york times uh manola Dargis, uh, Manola Dargis, I don't know. Um, while most of it is as predictably familiar as expected, it does something unusual for a movie like this. It entertains you rather than bludgeons you into submission. I do not agree with that. And so I guess the thing to take away there is that, um, every character is somebody's favorite character and uh um morbius is not my favorite character it is certainly not my favorite movie uh watch it or don't i uh <laughs> I, I i can't help you um and, and that is going to do it for this week's episode thank you so much for listening and don't forget you can follow me out on social media at mike cybert radio on twitter facebook and instagram i'm pretty much equally active on all of those platforms and you can write into the mailbag MikeCybertRadio at gmail.com become a Mike Cybertronian and join the MSRP friends and fans Facebook group and subscribe to the YouTube channel for more videos and extra stuff beyond the podcast tune in for the Mike Cybert Radio podcast live stream on Twitter YouTube Twitch and Facebook live special thanks to Lucia Fasano for our theme song and to Michael Geisler for our closing music check out his stuff at bytormusic.com my name is mike this has been mike cyber radio and until next time tell all or one make good choices the bite from the bat somehow made me feel stronger i feel energy surging through me 
I can hear every heartbeat around me. And I can defy gravity. <laughs> Incredible. No! My face! Skin! Translucent! Mesal structure distorted! I have got to reverse this! There is something else! I feel a hunger!